The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us. And uh, as always, we're going to have a wonderful program for you today with a guest who has lots of enthusiasm and lots of experience to share. And I know you're going to enjoy all that she brings. Thank you for visiting our Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook, and thank you for posting on there and for liking us and for letting your friends and family members know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. And uh, we are grateful for that, grateful that you're spreading the word about our online radio program here. Thank you for... uh, providing really the opportunity for me and for the guests that I bring to share with you these wonderful ideas about the recovery process and about how that is so intertwined with our spiritual growth. Thank you for your emails to me. I appreciate that, uh, letting me know what's happening in your world, what's happening in your spiritual growth, what's happening in your recovery walk, and letting me know that the guests that we have on here are bringing you great information and great inspiration that get you thinking and open some new ideas for you um, and some new strength for you in your own spiritual development. You know that you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen uh, online via your computer. You can listen via your smart device. You can listen live, and you can listen on demand. We've got lots of great archives. You can go to www.unityonlineradio.org program spirit of recovery and access the several years' worth of great archives that we've got. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you are a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're the family member or friend of someone who's got the disease of addiction, perhaps you're in recovery yourself as a family member or friend, perhaps not, perhaps your loved one or your friend is in recovery or not, Um, maybe you're just curious about the process of recovery, whatever brings you here. Um, to this program today. We're glad that you're here and you are welcome. We welcome your comments. We welcome your questions via email or via the phone. Um, If you've got a a comment or a question that you have for my guest today, we welcome your participation. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, and 33 years ago, those relationships uh, were a catalyst for me to get started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and ever since then, my walk has been an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles, and that keeps richly transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper and ever richer ways. So I am delighted to have the opportunity to share the ideas with you about recovery, about spirituality, and to hear what's happening for you, what you're experiencing on your spirituality and recovery walk. 
Today, the topic that we have uh, here on Spirit of Recovery is Teens and Families in Recovery. My guest is Cindy Putney. Cindy is the parent and community liaison for TAFS of Austin, and T-A-F-S stands for Teen and Family Services. And uh, Cindy is going to be sharing with us today about what can happen when, uh, for a teenager when the whole family gets involved in recovery. And it's wonderful. We know that there aren't external guarantees about what happens uh, for people in recovery. What we do know is that when the people around someone who's got the disease of addiction get involved in their own recovery, that it sure increases the possibility for fulfillment and for success for that individual and um, very importantly it changes everything for that family that uh, when anybody gets into a recovery process whether you're a family member or whether you're a person with a primary substance or process addiction it has a positive effect on one's own life and has the possibility for creating a wonderful uh, opportunity for the people around you Cindy's going to be talking with us about the alternative peer group model, which is the model used at Teen and Family Services uh, of Austin, and talking to us about how that focuses on practical solutions, on positive socializing, on healthy family involvement, and on spiritual values. And all that adds up to real strong support for recovering teens. So, Cindy, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be with you today. So glad that you're here. So, uh, you know, I think one thing that's just so much on the mind of, of any family that has any person, and especially a young person that's got the disease of addiction, is, um, gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen for our family? And is there any hope? So, you're working there with Teen and Family Services. You are, are working with families on a daily basis. You're very aware of them and the community. What would you say to people that wonder, is there any hope? Absolutely. I understand that that is the first question. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? What is happening in our family? Um, shock, something that you would never, you would never hope for. But I can say from personal experience that, yes, there's a lot of hope. Um, in, our, in our family, when we had some signs that uh, our children were struggling with addiction, and these might include things like skipping school, uh, low grades, uh, lying, just finding them in different situations. Um, we, uh, we had to, we had to seek help. We knew that this was bigger than we were. We didn't have all the answers. We didn't even know all the questions. So we sought professional help. And what we found was that there was professional help out there available for families of teens who were struggling from substance abuse. And, um, it's very important resources because families are uh, often devastated and puzzled when the problem of addiction rears its ugly head in their family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, um, that you are doing now in your professional life is, to, is working um, with the, the teen and family services uh, as it's an organization, and they have a particular model that uh, addresses the issues of teens and that addresses the the issues in the family and I know you said y'all got professional help and this mm-hmm. probably wasn't really exactly around when you were doing that but um, what's the model that, that they use and uh, how does it work? Why is it good for teens? Teen and Family Services incorporates what we call an alternative peer group model or an APG and what an alternative peer group does is it provides positive, a positive social environment and a new peer group. And we focus on attitudes and behaviors conducive to growth and change. Now, what that looks like is in our situation, our, uh, you know, uh, removing uh, a child from a harmful situation means that they need to come back to a healthier 
a healthier situation. And the alternative peer group allows them to be with their peers, kids their age that are struggling with the same things, that are looking for solutions to the uh, to to the challenges that using uh, substance abuse, teen using drugs, have have created. You know, we have uh, a problem in the family. We have a kid that probably is uh, not doing well in school or just needs the help provided. And a peer group we know is so important to young people. And so their peers are there to help them. Uh, and we find a lot of the time help them stay sober, let them know that in, uh, in the social activities that they can have fun with some teenagers who have committed to sobriety. They can have sober fun. You know, their life is not over because substance abuse, uh, you know, they, they're needing to, they're needing to change their behavior. Right. Because one thing that happens, um, and I know that you've, you have a lot of experience um, even now before you uh, got involved professionally with uh, TAFs here, that you were over 25 years experience in education of children and adults in public and private sectors and in secondary school. In, uh, you were the director of religious education at a large Catholic church and were responsible you know, for all kind of uh, development and so forth and adult education and and facilitating peer ministry groups and so forth and your background, your training and education is in, uh, is, is in education. So you've had a lot of experience with young people across a spectrum, uh, of, uh, of situations. And how's it a little bit different for, for a teenager in recovery than adults? Or maybe it's not. Um, I know, you know, a teenager can maybe even go off to a residential treatment, but then they come back. Uh, what happens if they come back into their high school situation that's just like, you know, mm-hmm. what they what they left? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, teens, can, teens can engage in, um, in substance abuse on a spectrum, you know, experimental, or it could be something that's habitual, or it could be actual abuse. And so, um, you know, when that happens, it affects everything around them. It affects the entire family dynamic. And um, for the child who may need residential treatment, coming back from res- residential treatment, you know, research indicates to us that there needs to be a continuum of care when a child comes back, or I say a child, when a teenager comes back from residential treatment. Unless there's a system of support in place, the chances of them continuing in their sobriety are very slim. And so, as you can imagine, a teenager comes back from residential treatment and it maybe is not the best idea in the world for them to go back to their high school because maybe some of those those kids are the ones that they were using drugs with, but they don't have any other friends. And so, we find that with an alternative peer group, it's not as intense as a residential treatment. Um, and it's really not even as intense as, uh, an, uh, uh, an inpatient, uh, inpatient program, but, but, um, it provides an opportunity for these kids to be in a, um, an environment of care, an environment of support, an environment where their family can um, can be in support of recovery as well. They establish a community of peers that are that have that have positively influenced them, and we know that that leads to change. Mm-hmm. And on the continuum of care, it's very very important. It would. This is how I've heard it. Uh, this is how I've heard it described. Uh, I have heard it described that you know a when someone, for example. We know that the disease of addiction can be very insidious, and we know that, you know, for a cancer patient, a cancer patient gets treated and has ongoing care, and that ongoing care includes things like assessment and more tests and more medication if necessary, a round of, you know, a complete round of medication is prescribed, 
Well, you know, if we didn't have a continuum of care for anyone coming out of residential treatment, it would be as if we were not we were not providing them with their follow-up. And so we find that the supportive environment is what uh, is what allows these young people to uh, to continue to stay sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, certainly uh, essential because even adults need supportive environment. But for young people in that formative years where the peer group is so important, it's essential, isn't it? And Absolutely. That, and that, Right, and that they're learning how to ha- to, as you say, engage in in positive activities um, with that. Absolutely, and teen and family also provide them with uh, with counseling, family family counseling, individual counseling. You know, kids at this age need to learn how to communicate better. They need to learn about relationships. They need to learn these life skills, and we provide an opportunity for them to learn that our program is designed around after school and weekend hours so that the whole family can become involved. So what that looks like is say on Monday night from 5 to 7, they have a life skills group and they come together and they talk about things like relapse prevention or uh, communication or family relationships. And then on Wednesday nights, we have a multifamily group where the kids and the families are all together, and then the kids can break up into a support group program, and so can the parent. And then on Friday night, there's a community group so that they can look at the community and say, what do we need to do here? What's good about our community? What are the things we can affirm in each other? How can we improve what we're doing? And I really think that the key to an alternative peer group is the pro-social activities. Now, what that means is that on Fridays and Saturdays, we have supervised activities for them. We know that those are the high-risk times for kids who are uh, involved in substance abuse. So what that might look like is, uh, is movie and coffee with youth staff or it might look like going to a speaker meeting and then uh, maybe going bowling, maybe going to putt-putt, something that provides them an activity during those high-risk times where they're with people like them that they can have, that they can have fun, they can have an activity. So there are so many components that go into this, education, just complete care around uh the kids because it's different for them. Uh, They still have to go to high school. You know, they still have to go to school. They still want to be able to socialize and to provide them a supportive environment in which to do that really does uh, make their chances of uh, thriving in sobriety much better. Thank you, Cindy. It's time for our break. And uh, we appreciate my, my guest, Cindy Putney, who is the uh, parent and community liaison for TAFs of Austin, sharing with us about teens and families in recovery and why it makes such a big difference to have a supportive environment for teens and their families in recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of We'd like to take a moment to encourage you, as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners, to support this ministry through a love offering. For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods, 
and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Teens and Families in Recovery, and my guest is Cindy Putney. Cindy is the Parent and Community Liaison for TAFs of Austin, and that's Teen and Family Services. And uh, she's sharing with us how an alternative peer group model that focuses on practical solutions and uh, healthy family involvement and spiritual values really adds up to strong support for teens and their families. You can learn more about TAFs by going to the um, their website at www.teenandfamilyservices.org. TAFs is a nonprofit organization that supports teens and families in recovery, and that's that's www.teenandfamilyservices.org. Before I get back to my conversation with Cindy, I invite you to share with me a brief moment of meditation, our Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to be aware of your breath, and allow that to relax you from the crown of your head all the way through uh, the tips of your fingers and the tips of your toes. And share with me this constructive idea. I support my well-being by participating in a caring, supportive, healthy community. I support my well-being by participating in a caring, supporting, healthy community. And let's take a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that that was an opportunity for you to get in touch, to open up your mind and heart to that presence of your higher power. So now I'm back to my conversation with Cindy Putney of Teen and Family Services of Austin. And Cindy, before the break, you were telling us about some of the specific um, activities and the, uh, that TAFS conducts with teens and families. Uh, anything else that you'd like to share with us about specifically what happens, how this model works, and why it works so effectively? Well, it's wonderful because it's, it is designed around the school and weekend hours, and that way it can accommodate the busy schedule of family participants. And we encourage entire family participation because we know that addiction is a family disease. 
and we know that the family can be healed and can be restored. So uh, individually and family counseling happens once a year. That's, that's wonderful. We have parent education classes. We have various group meetings for the teens and their families. We have quarterly group retreats, which is just wonderful. Our, our youth staff, executive director and staff therapist just got back, and the kids just got back from a wonderful retreat in um, Buena Vista, Colorado. The summer retreat is always in Colorado. So there are quarterly group retreats. We have academic support for the kids. We are, um, uh, we have a relationship with the University of Texas at Austin Center for Students in Recovery, and our kids often dialogue with those students about sobriety in college. Uh, there's so much, there's so much, uh, participation. There's so much, um, there's so much care in our community that we know that that uh, allows families to find the help and support that they need. And so, you know, when one family member seeks recovery, the whole, the whole family dynamic is changed. So we're pretty excited about our program. There's really nothing else like it in the Austin area currently. And, um, you know, I know that the, uh, the family heals together, and that is just something that I'm very uh, excited about and very passionate about. For sure. And, uh, again, our listeners are from all over the country of the United States of America and across the world. This is a wonderful program. Uh, probably not everybody's going to travel to Austin, though. Is there any way, uh, how could people access help in their own community if they're interested in support for family and teens? Well, a, a good idea would be probably to uh, uh, go on uh, any website or check with any uh, resources that would be available for uh, teens and families, uh, any state resources, uh, uh, residential treatment centers in the area usually have very good resources. Any, uh, any hospitals that provide behavioral health services or anything that has to do with an organization that has anything to do with drug or substance abuse. There are many national uh, organizations that they can look at that possibly would send them to links that uh, would provide them with information about local services. Great. So be diligent, do the searching, and trust. Do your do your prayer work to your higher power, and 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 know that you'll find uh, what's helpful. And also, I'm interested in, about cost. I know that uh, TAFS is a nonprofit organization, and the services you provide are top notch. It must cost a fortune for a family to come there, or not? Well, How does that work? We we uh, we operate on a sliding fee scale, and I've got to tell you that no one is turned away mm-hmm. because of their inability to pay. So, uh, depending on the uh, yearly income of the family, uh, there is a decision made about what the cost might be. And um, again, I say that we don't turn anybody away. We will work with families to be able to offer them support. And we fundraise during the year. We also have just amazing, wonderful benefactors. We also just are part of a very, very supportive recovery community in Austin, Texas. So uh, we do fundraise and donations are accepted. We have a donation button on our website. Can I even say that? Yes, you can. <laughs> but, You're a nonprofit. Um, yeah. Yes, we just have a very supportive environment uh, in this community. And, and we do fundraising and uh, just with, um, with the fees that we get from uh, the families. Um, but we always find a way. We partner with many businesses and churches in the area, so we uh, they are very generous in sponsoring some of our students for, say, for example, the uh, the retreat, and those happen for a year. So, um, I mean, four times a year, and so uh, you know, we look for any way we can to 
to be able to offer the services that we do for these young people. That's just great. Now, uh, earlier in the program, and I know that uh, you said that certainly in your own family, you've had a personal experience of family recovery. Would you share some more with us about that? Uh, What's happened for your family as you've gotten into recovery? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, I have a personal history of uh, alcoholism in my family's origin, and, you know, that created a lot of suffering for me as a child. And um, I didn't really understand what was going on, or we didn't understand alcoholism as a disease at that time. But it wasn't until in my current family, when my children started to suffer the effects of drug abuse, that I feel like I was really, really brought to my knees. And um, I, I learned the harmful effects of addiction, that it's a family disease and the entire family is affected. There's a lot of shame and guilt and isolation. And um, unless the family becomes involved in some sort of support group, uh, it's, it's difficult for them to get help. In my own case, um, we happened to uh, we happened to get a uh, I called a therapist and got referred to uh, a couple of different places, and someone gave me a flyer. And the flyer was about an ATG, much like Teen and Family Services here in Austin. And um, going there and finding other parents that were going through what we were going through. Uh, really made the hugest difference in the beginning of our recovery. And we were encouraged to learn everything we could about substance abuse. We went to every seminar. I read every book. I became, you know, very involved in a support group of parents whose kids were struggling like mine were. And, um, I, I learned so much. I found that I found myself actually becoming consumed with uh, what was going on with my children, and I found that um, that my my codependence on what was happening really was just as harmful to me as uh, as my son's addiction was to him it, it it affected me in every way it affected me in uh, you know physically emotionally and spiritually my my well-being was very compromised so that was just as harmful to me as his addiction was to him and i found that the more i learned about it and the more that i sought some answers uh, becoming part of a very supportive recovery community was was life giving and very transformative for me. Um, and uh, the things that I've learned were that um, you know I always thought that if my children were didn't suffer from this disease or when my children got suf- got sober that all of the problems would go away. Well, what I found was that uh, that wasn't entirely so because that did happen to me. My children did get sober and got on with their lives. And I thought everything would be all right with the world. But then when I found that it wasn't, this is what I, this is what I learned. I learned that the crisis of my children suffering from addiction had caused several things to bubble up to the surface in me that were from my family of origin. So even though it was my children's addiction that had gotten me into recovery and seeking help, it actually was my own quest for uh, answers and spiritual awareness that kept me there. And so... I began to recognize some of the things that I needed to work on, and I began to resolve and heal those issues. So I actually got catapulted into a program of recovery that healed and resolved many of my personal 
pain and suffering. And as a family, our family uh, was restored. Our family relationships were restored. Uh, we resolved a lot of and worked through a lot of those emotions like shame and guilt, uh, isolation, anger, and betrayal. Uh, it's easy for a family to feel uh, very, uh, very isolated because, you know, this isn't happening to the Joneses next door is what we think when we compare our insides with their outsides. Anyway, what we found that in a program of recovery for all of us, that we had a lot of family healing, we had restoration of our relationships, we resolved a lot of issues, and um, and I'm actually very grateful. I'm very grateful for, uh, you know, the way this journey has taken has taken our family. Now, I wouldn't have said that a few years ago. I would not have said I was grateful for what was happening to our family, but in believing that everything happens for a reason, I know that if it had not been for the disease of addiction, that I don't know when um, I would have done such spiritual uh, awareness seeking, and I don't know where my children, now they're young adults now, very proud of them, 21 almost and 23, uh, I don't know where else in their lives they would have been able to do such spiritual work at this age in their lives. Uh, so I'm very grateful. I am passionate about family recovery because I know that there's a lot of hope. I know that to restore the uh, the family relationships and the family unit is is absolutely uh, amazing. It's wonderful, um, and and I feel like. And that is the hope and the strength that I can offer these families who have kids who are struggling. The whole family does struggle. The whole family needs to be transformed, healed, and resolved. So, mm -hmm. When families, uh, and I'll back up a minute, I know, too, that part of recovery is that uh, you have your son's permission to uh, say those things about them today, don't you? Yes, ma'am, I do. I do. I, uh, you know, was very careful about, protecting their anonymity, um, and they are, they're very, uh, very open and honest. They're very, re they're very involved in the recovery community in Austin on a state and national level. And so uh, they, they give back uh, part of the recovery, part of the uh, recovery community of theirs gives back. And so everything that we've been involved in, every, uh, you know, APG, they've been involved in, they've come back and volunteered, and they both actually work in the recovery field in two different, two different communities of recovery. So, yes, they are aware, and um, it's very important for them to know that, uh, you know, the, the teenager who suffers looks just like the teenager sitting next to you, looks like the teenager that's in every classroom, looks like every teenager that is your neighbor. I mean, it's, it's not a specific. This disease crosses every socioeconomic line. I mean, it just, it just is. It happens to everyone, and that awareness has really been important in the healing. Right. Thank you so much uh, for for your honesty and for uh, your openness about all this, uh, Cindy. Where it's time for our break. When we come back, we'll find out some more about how your family has been restored and also the hope for families when maybe, maybe the person doesn't get sober, uh, but there can still be restoration. Stay with us. We'll be right back. My guest is Cindy Putney. Our topic today is teens and families in recovery. This is Spirit of Recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. 
Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and if you're just joining us, our topic today is Teens and Families in Recovery. And my guest is Cindy Putney. Cindy is the parent and family parent and community liaison for TAFs of Austin and that's Teen and Family Services and you can uh, read more about them teenandfamilyservices.org and uh, she shared with us today about the alternative peer group model that that uh, TAFs uses to support teens and families in recovery and also sharing with us about her personal experience in family recovery. So uh, Cindy thank you again so much for your candor and for your openness and sharing with us about your own experience and um, you know something that you you've had a wonderful uh, experience in your family that everybody in your nuclear family there uh, is engaged in uh, in a restoration in a recovery process and that's wonderful it doesn't mean that it's a bed of roses I know that because <laughs> uh, but it sure gives it sure gives that opportunity for there to be a b- much better relationships sometimes in families as I'm sure you well know it doesn't always happen uh, sometimes maybe only one person a family member or somebody gets in recovery sometimes the person with the substance or primary process addiction doesn't get in recovery. Mm-hmm. What's it like when not everybody gets in recovery in the family? Well, it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge. We would, of course, like for everyone in the family to be in recovery, but we know that that's not exactly how it always happens. Um, uh, and, you know, we didn't get in this one day and get out the next. It was a process of several years. So even in our own family, ultimately, where... There uh, is sobriety. My sons are very involved in their in their twelve uh, step programs, and you know our family uh, follows those principles in our recovery. Um, uh, it, it took a while, and so um, and so just at least uh, taking care of yourself. I would say, learning everything that you can about addiction. And even in a family in recovery still has to deal with life issues. So having people uh, uh, have some type of a program of spiritual awareness to be able to recognize the things that are not working in the family or the things that still need to be healed and we know that at least one person in the family is recovered, then it kind it uh, it allows the rest of them to uh, observe that there can be healing. So, for example, if uh, not everyone in the family is recovered, but the person who is recovered uh, continues to role model. Uh, 
a healthy way of living. And I'm talking about emotionally, spiritually, um, physically, a healthy way of living. That is something that's so important because that role model part, I think, is important. And what we find also in uh, recovery communities is there are some very important principles about living with addiction. For example, setting very clear boundaries as parents, which are uh, valuable even if you don't have a child who's suffering with drug abuse addiction, Uh, setting very clear boundaries not enabling, not allowing that person to, not doing for them what they can do for themselves, Uh, being able to detach from their behavior and recognize it as the behavior of their disease and not the behavior of a person, being able to separate that person from their disease and uh, set some boundaries so that, healthy boundaries, so that the... um, even when you're dealing with it, you can be able to uh, to live your life without it overshadowing everything that happens because we know that that can happen as well. So uh, getting as much information as you can, really taking care of yourself, and, and really what has worked for us is just becoming part of a supportive 12-step group and also very much paying attention to our uh, spiritual growth has has been has been amazing. Mm-hmm. So those would be the things I recommend. Okay, wonderful. So that uh, an individual family member can still uh, have a much higher quality of life, have a good quality of life, whether or not um, their loved one is in sobriety or not. But each person can make choices. Sounds like do things that are Absolutely. good for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's key because there's a difference between physical sobriety and emotional sobriety. Uh, we want for, uh, we, we would like for, uh, you know, we know that substance abuse can be just a symptom of a deeper problem. And so being able to deal with that deeper problem really does uh, lend itself to long-term physical and emotional sobriety. But being able to uh, continue on in your life and, and live a fulfilling life, whether your loved one is still engaging in that behavior or not, is key. Mm-hmm. And I know you, you talk about the term emotional sobriety. What does that mean for a family member? I mean, the, uh, the person, not the person that's got the primary substance or process addiction, but for a family member, what's emotional sobriety look like? Well, emotional sobriety is being able to uh, uh, recognize that uh, our relationship, our our relationships are more valuable than the disease that's happening. So that might mean um, really still being, uh, recognizing the disease as a disease, being able to separate the person from it, being able to detach from harmful behavior or, uh, or behavior that uh, is not conducive to a healthy family life. Um, uh, for example, for me, what that meant was instead of reacting to a situation or reacting to something that uh, that was happening in our lives, I could pause and then try to respond to it, not in light of the other person, what you did with blame and guilt and shame, but instead from my perspective of, well, this is what I need to do, you know, and it has nothing to do with your behavior, but this is the boundary that I've set, and this is what I need to do for me to be able mm-hmm. to stay in this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that has been very helpful to me uh, to be able to separate myself from the situation and think about what's the healthiest way that I can deal with it based on a personal boundary. Uh, loving, right. you know, uh, trying to, in, in separating the person from their disease is still continue to be loving, treat them with dignity, dignity, um, and, uh, just try to have some for us, 
it's it's our it's our spiritual journey uh, just to seek that serenity and that guidance from a higher power that allows us to get through the day peacefully no matter what no matter what happens mm-hmm. Th- that's uh, very helpful yeah really uh, gives us some good practical ideas of what it means to to be appropriately uh, in that emotional sobriety. You mentioned the, your spiritual growth and the serenity. What are some of the things that you do to uh, foster your spiritual growth, Cindy, as a family member? Well, I find it's very important if I, if I take some prayer time in the morning and uh, I have quiet time, prayer and meditation time. I read devotionals. Uh, I'm able to uh, journal, set my intentions for that day, and just be able to uh, peacefully offer offer that up and know that whatever challenges come to me that day, I'm not alone. I have I have uh, a loving a loving God who is with me every moment of the day. And uh, it just helps me to keep things in perspective that way, that every day that I am here for a higher purpose and to serve and look at every situation and everyone I encounter in that way, that everything that happens to me during this day has a purpose and that that purpose is something that I am going to, I'm going to accept and welcome, even if I don't understand it, and uh, and even if I don't like it, <laughs> quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to know that I'm here for a higher good, and I know that my higher power wants good for me and wants uh, good for my family, and to to live my day uh, seeking that higher purpose. Mm-hmm. When uh, earlier in the program today you mentioned that there had been alcoholism in your growing up family that had created problems for you and that when you got into recovery, uh, the catalyst from, from your uh, family that, of your, your children, that that propelled you into that recovery process, that it had also brought some, uh, some maybe new depths of healing from uh, the childhood experiences. What... I guess what I want to ask you is how is it that you understand yourself today maybe in a new way or a different way uh, from you, how you may have understood yourself uh, as you were, you know, there as a child in a, in a very difficult situation? What's changed for you about your understanding of who you are as a result of your own recovery as a family member? Well, I think what has changed is, you know, as a child, we really don't understand what's going on. We just understand and internalize those, possibly those, uh, those feelings that we don't, we're not mature enough to understand about maybe shame and guilt and, and those types of things. We don't, we don't have the maturity to deal with them. We don't have the maturity to be able to define them and, uh, and be able to work through that. So, I feel like as painful as it was being able to uh, realize that that uh, if if I did not feel uh, complete or happy uh, inside that it was it was something that I needed to deal with. I needed to be able to define that. And I needed to be able to seek and see what it was. I had that icky feeling, and I wanted to, uh, I needed to figure out what it was so it could be resolved. And, um, and that takes a lot of interior work. That takes, uh, that takes being able to look at yourself. That's being able to seek guidance. Uh, you know, being part of a supportive 12-step program was see I found out later was really not enough for me when these things started to bubble to the surface for me from my family of origin I needed additional help I sought professional help for that uh, professional continued spiritual guidance for that 
And uh, I think probably now just the maturity and just the awareness that, uh, you know, we, we have a choice. And um, as a child, you know, you don't think you have a choice. But as an adult, I know now that I have a choice of what I'm putting in my brain, what I'm going to think, what my perspective is going to be. And I find that if that is a perspective of healing and hope and uh, all of those all of those good things. Think on, on, on those wonderful things that uh, I don't even remember what the scripture is, but, you know, think on those things, all the things that are good and right and um, life-giving and uh, peace-giving and hope-giving are the things that, uh, that we can, that I can concentrate on and use as a basis of perspective, understanding that things happen for a reason and that I'm never alone, that mm-hmm. I always have guidance. I didn't recognize probably that guidance as a child that I recognize now, mm-hmm. that even when I didn't know how to pray, uh, that my higher power knew what I needed. Just that understanding and that belief and, and that truth that, uh, that I'm not alone and, um, and, you know, I'm in a community of people who are supportive, and I know that my higher power wants good for me. Right. That's fantastic. And um, we're, we're almost at the end of our time here, but I, uh, I'm uh, curious if maybe part of this good that's happening for you and that as a result of your recovery is this, uh, did you ever think that you were going to be working in, in your profession with families in recovery. Was that a surprise? Is that almost part of recovery too? Uh, this is an absolute positive gift. This is, uh, this is just, I'm thrilled. I was an educator uh, in the school system for the last eight years and really was, was uh, looking for something that was going to fill my heart and, and uh, just have my soul sore and I took a leap of faith and trusted. I'm so passionate about family recovery, and I just took a leap of faith and just trusted that that uh, I would be able to work in my field and never imagined, never imagined that it would be uh, like, like this. When Teen and Family Services, they've been in Houston for 13 years, but just have been in Austin for one year. And when they came, of course, you know, we were new and we started with just a very few families and were not able to, uh, you know, we didn't have, there weren't a lot of positions available. There wasn't a position that I fill now. That was a, that was a vision. There would be a vision that if we had enough families, my executive director had the vision of someone who could be the parent and the community coordinator and liaison. And so I started working there at, doing office work 10 hours a week and just wanted to be around family recovery. And then that grew to 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And then that grew to my new position and 30 hours a week, and it grew to a full-time position. I am absolutely, positively thrilled. Cindy, I have, thank you. Couldn't have prayed for it. Couldn't have prayed for it. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. Our time is up, and, and boy, I can just hear the enthusiasm in your voice and in your spirit. So I want to thank my guest, Cindy Putney, who is the Parent and Community Liaison for TAFs of Austin. That's teenandfamilyservices.org. Thank you so much, Cindy, for all that you've shared with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I was thrilled and honored to be on the, the show. So glad. Listeners, uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week with the Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.
Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.